Netanyahu crushes democracy in Israel, and Donald Trump says, wait, hold my beer, BB. This is the Beyond Politics podcast and our Balance of Power roundtable show with former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant Alicia Preston. I'm Matt Robeson, and we just finished recording an absolutely fascinating live breaking news interview with Galat Sher. I urge people to check that out. He is one of the co-founders of the pro-democracy protest movement that we see unfolding in Israel right now standing up against the autocratic takeover that the far coalition government under Benjamin Netanyahu is trying to foment there. And it was, an, it was a totally dramatic, fascinating discussion. If people missed that in, in the feed yesterday, I urge people to go back and check it out. But what really grabbed me about it is, boy, are there a lot of rhymes between what's happening in Israel and not only what's happening here, but what I think Donald Trump is planning to have happen here because as we were recording that, Trump filed to extend, to, to delay his classified documents trial until after the election, claiming that he can't really have a trial since he's a candidate, which was his strategy from the beginning. And so it, it just seems to be clearing the path for Donald Trump to literally take notes as things happen over there in the Middle East and then import them here. Paul, that's what stood out to me. What what stood out to you of the, uh, among all these incredible parallels in our interview with Galad? Bibi took a page from the Donald Trump playbook. Oh, we like dictators. Okay, I think I want to be one. Oh, he's being charged with crimes, me too. But Bibi wants to get away with things that Trump hasn't had quite the opportunity to get away with. But for example, here in the United States, Trump yeah, never really went quite as far as Bibi is going in trying to completely turn the country into a total dictatorship during the time of his presidency. He wanted to. He wanted to use the intelligence agencies to get his enemies. He wanted to do all kinds of nefarious things. But instead, he was limited to a coup attempt on January 6th. Now, unlike Israel, thousands and thousands of Americans didn't take to the streets to protest Donald Trump. In Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, who's facing criminal charges, oh, that sounds familiar, for corruption and bribery and bad faith, is using his far-right coalition of religious zealots and other far-right extremists to upend 75 years of Israeli democracy and turned it into Trump-style autocratic dictatorship. First, they tried earlier in the year, major protests in March, huge protests in the country. Now he's trying again piecemeal. The latest is an attempt to remove the idea that the judiciary should have any oversight over official corruption by removing the, quote, reasonableness standard. So we've got a back and forth between Bibi and Trump in terms of trying to turn their countries into dictatorships. Can we just talk about that for a second? Essentially, what Netanyahu is trying to do in Israel, he tried back in January to do this overt plan to, right. to essentially erase the power of the judicial branch to restrain the executive branch, right? And what, and essentially because of massive 
protest that shut down the entire country and essentially a revolt from the country's military and all the civilian infrastructure of government, he had to stop. And now he's come back with, it's the same basic set of ideas. It's just broken up into lots of little pieces. It's a lot more insidious. And, as and Gil, let me just say, as Gil pointed out, there's about 170 different pieces of legislation still sitting in the Israeli Knesset that would complete the job. Sure, absolutely. But in essence, this is a kissing cousin, a totally gross term that I regret using immediately of what Trump you got me did. to pay attention again. There you go. Of, of what Trump did when he appointed Bill Barr. And he's come out and said that he believes and Bill Barr believes and many of the people in Trump's orbit believe that the Department of Justice should not operate independently. The judiciary should not operate independently. They should be under the control and direction of the executive branch. So that's it's the same idea. It's just being pursued in slightly different ways. Alicia, am I missing something here? Is this, is that the well, way you were seeing it? Just based on a couple comments you guys made, I think you're both giving Donald Trump way too much credit here. Both that he is anybody that Benjamin Netanyahu would look to to emulate, and also that Donald Trump is actually paying attention to what's going on in Israel and trying to emulate it himself. I think that's way too much credit for both directions for him. Donald Trump doesn't want the rules to apply. Benjamin Yahoo doesn't want the rules to apply. That doesn't mean they're watching each other. It means they both want to be dictators. I think the American government and structure of our system is strong enough. It's held up to him before. I think it'll continue to hold up to him, even if he were in the very long shot, which I don't think is going to happen, him to be elected again. I think American democracy as she stands, prevails. I don't know what's going to happen in Israel. It is. It seems like it was working in the direction of the intended democracy, but now Benjamin Yahoo's making another play. Netanyahu's making another play. I don't know. I don't think they're aligned. I think they're just two dudes who want to be in charge forever. But let me push you because with circular reasoning a little bit, I agree with you that American democracy has held up under, let's call it extreme duress in the last few years. But that rests on, it's like saying, hey, you know what? We had a car accident, but fortunately the guardrails were there. It kept us from shooting right over the cliffs, Thelma and Louise style. The problem is what Netanyahu is trying to do is remove the guardrail. What Donald Trump was trying to do was remove the guardrail. And so on right after January 6th, the guardrail essentially came down to a few fibers of spinal tissue that remained in Mike Pence, who stood up and said, nope, I will not agree to overturn this election because if he had done that, if he had crumbled, we really would have been in big trouble. And still a majority of, sorry, Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. So we were not that far away. It was the guardrails that kept us from going over the cliff. If Trump comes back, the very first thing he wants to do is remove the guardrails and then can democracy continue to stand up that's what i'm worried about i'm saying i don't think he succeeds look at the end of the day our arbiter something that i guess israel's trying to do away with or netanyahu is trying to do away with is our judiciary we have a supreme court they weighed in on the who's in charge 
issue just this last month, just this term in the North Carolina case. I know that a lot of Democrats think they're extreme right conservatives, but they proved they were not beholden to the Republican Party or Donald Trump or anyone else when they made the correct decision in the North Carolina case about whether or not the state judiciary has jurisdiction over the state legislature. I don't think Donald Trump has the ability, and again, I don't think he's getting reflected, but I don't think he has the ability to remove the guardrails. Of course he wants to. He's on this tour across the country, this vigilante tour saying what he's going to do when he gets reelected. He's going to fire this person, prosecute that person. I don't know, Donald, you want my vote as an undecided Republican primary voter in the first in the nation primary status. What does that do for me? Because that's all I'm looking for when I vote for somebody. How are you going to help me and my family? You're little, I'm going to go on a war tirade and arrest my political enemy, something you're complaining, that things being done to you, doesn't get you any new votes. And if you don't have new votes, you ain't going to win. That's my freely, free political advice to the Donald. Our co-panelists here, Rosie Scenario, paints a really alluring picture. I love this idea and I endorse it and I hope you're right. I truly hope you're right. Paul, are you feeling nearly so sanguine? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Here's what Trump is worried about. Trump is worried he's going to jail. We've got new grand juries coming in Georgia. We have Trump making moves through his defense team in Florida to try to delay his trial. And look, the trial, what's going on in Florida is a good example of what of how Trump operated. He installed Eileen Cameron, a person of negligible intellect, apparently, and of de minimis ethical standards, who is nothing but a toady to Trump as opposed to an independent judge. And now his defense team is appealing to her to delay his trial on the classified documents charges because he can't get a free fair trial while he's running for president, blah, blah, blah. So on the one hand, there are many defendants who try to delay their trials. On the other hand, this is Donald Trump. We're a year and a half away from elections. There is plenty of time to have the Trump for Trump. Can I ask about that? Because Alicia, you brought up right before we got on the air that the wheels of justice are continuing to spin forward in Georgia. And there's a news item about this. So apparently things are moving forward there. According to the news this morning, they are choosing a grand jury in that investigation in Georgia. And I've been trying to figure out what happened to the previous grand jury because we know the little wacky foreman lady went and did a media stunt. Because that was regrettable. Found them too. There are two two now that they're gathering. And I think the news media all morning has done a terrible job explaining to me, so let me, let me what happened you. to the previous one. Okay. okay. So the previous grand jury was a special grand jury. Special, special. grand jury. Special. Special. And the special grand jury was used by the prosecutor as an investigative grand jury. They did not return any indictments or declined to return any indictments. They did issue a report with recommendations that is still sealed, although there's been some leakage that it suggests or recommends that numbers of people be indicted. A, they were dis, they were let go in January. The prosecutor in the case has now impaneled new grand juries to consider potential indictments, likely against Trump and then likely against others. She may be doing it in different grand juries. She may be doing them all in the same, but these grand juries 
are headed for the kind of regular grand jury consideration that grand juries give when prosecutors present them with evidence. All right. So former assistant attorney general Paul Hodes, is this potentially a way for Fannie Willis, the DA, to work around the trouble that that four person created by doing the media work. There, there was commentary at the time that she may have poisoned the well by revealing the inner workings of what was coming out of that grand jury. Are you saying, is it possible that if Fannie Willis has now impaneled a new grand jury, that would essentially sidestep that issue? First, I don't think anything that the person who spoke publicly said, did much, if anything, to taint any evidence that the grand jury heard. She may have talked about who was before her and what she thought of people, but in terms of the actual evidence, there wasn't much taint. That being said, if anybody thinks there's a taint, with the new grand jury, Fannie Willis will present evidence to this grand jury in behind closed doors. That evidence could include the report from the special grand jury. It's up to the prosecutor as to what kind of evidence she presents to the grand jury, but she will a fresh opportunity to present the evidence. And much of that evidence may have been gathered by the investigative grand jury. If I can just note on this four person who went on that tour, and I know you can only stifle someone's free speech so much, but where it did taint things was in the public opinion of the credibility of that grand jury panel. The four person was, I'm sorry to the woman, but she came across as crazy. She came across as unstable. She came across as not playing by the rules that people expect, which is don't talk about it till something's done. And I think it did damage the credibility of that grand jury. And I don't know if that came into play with this attorney general impaneling two new ones or not, but it certainly did cloud the pool based on that. But I want to go back to, if we can, the this extension request by Team Trump to to the Florida case to go after the election. First of all, Walt Nauda, his aide that's also indicted on in this, he's not running for office, and the extension is requested for him as well. So I'm not sure under what guidelines he can wait till after the election because he's the butler to the guy running for president. That doesn't seem to be a good legal precedent. The other thing about legal precedent, can you imagine if a judge rules, you're running for president, therefore you cannot go to trial on criminal charges. I think it costs $1,000 to get on the ballot in New Hampshire. If someone indicted me and that's all I would do, I'd just give a grand to the state of New Hampshire every four years and perpetually run for president since I can't go to trial if I'm running. Yeah, it's stupid reasoning. And speaking of Donald Trump lacking intelligence, we had a fun video we put out on Blue Amp yesterday where we decided that since Donald Trump is a colossal moron, he needed some artificial intelligence. So we asked an artificial intelligence, ChatGPT, to generate an explanation of what the hell he was doing with all those classified documents. And then I asked another artificial intelligence to generate Donald Trump's voice to read the ChatGPT response in Donald Trump's oh, yeah. process. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the combination yeah. oh, is Donald Trump's voice reading chat gpt's answer to why the hell did you take all those classified documents oh, check it hilarious. out on the blue amp channel i thought it was pretty hilarious uh, i can't wait to see it it's one of the best things ever it i'm gonna works. watch it as soon as we're done here but speaking of ai and i don't like to give ammo against my conservatives but this is just too stupid to not have you guys seen that the mayor of miami who's running for president 
whose name is escaping me at the moment. He has- Very web- forgettable, and so is he. He's he's not a bad dude, but this certainly made him memorable. He has a website up where you can talk to his AI, and it's a literally a little AI of his torso, and you ask him questions, and it's pre-recorded, I think, answers, and it's really bad. But it's really funny. Well, so I it, urge people but to no, try but that's it out. Really Maybe even make a his, video about it. It's a, it's so on the nose for his entire presidential campaign. The, the guy's name is Francis Suarez, and okay. he is the mayor of Miami. And he is running for president because he brought people together, and he's an unusual success story, and blah, 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 blah. Turns out that his position is largely ceremonial, and the former mayor of Miami, another Republican, is just going on the press and dropping bombs on him and saying, this guy is an idiot. He doesn't know his ass from his elbow, and he's taking credit for lots of things that just happen in the normal course of government in his ceremonial position. It's so different. Wait a second. What's different from anybody else who's ever running for president? You should take credit for everything you possibly can in life. I endorse that. But you also should expect that if it's total bullshit, people are going to call you out. I went to Swarthmore College. Swarthmore is a town of, I don't know, like a couple hundred people. people. And they have a mayor, okay? The mayor is ceremonial. She or he has absolutely no powers. It just so happened that the daughter of the mayor of Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, was a classmate of mine at Swarthmore College. And the mayor decided to have some fun with it. So once a year, he would get us together and he would do all kinds of wacky stuff. He'd issue proclamations like, I now declare you all communally married to each other by age, order, and height. And it's okay. So I guess that happened. And the reason I'm not worried about charges of bigamy is that had all the force of law of anything that Francis Suarez has ever done. And that's why he's a total joke and why this guy Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Wait a second. Miami's a big city. He's a lawyer. He's a politician. He got elected mayor of Miami. Miami's a big place. Come on. that's We have already given him more coverage than he can expect to get in his future presidential campaign. That, that's true. And But you raise the question, aren't all of them like they inflate their, what have any of them accomplished? Here's, here, I'm going to throw out a name. Here's a name that Democrats should worry about in 2024, if by any miracle he wins a nomination. Doug Bergman. Wait, Bergman or Ger- Bergum? Bergum. Bergum. Oh, that guy. Apparently, he's giving away stuff in order to qualify for the debates. He's got a lot of money, though, right? right. He's, he's offering he's self-made. Pony, he's, he's offering free pony rides. No, if look, this guy and, is smart. That. If you come and visit him out west, he'll give you a free pony ride on a real ranch and put a cowboy hat on you with spurs that go jingle jangle. No, what they're all doing, and Vivek is doing it, and Chris Christie is doing it, apparently, just for clarity, one of the components to get onto the debate stage, according to the RNC rules, is, I think, X amount of donations or something like that. So people are pushing just donors, not donations, donors. People are pushing all over social media, these candidates that want to get on the debate stage. You have to be a certain percent, but in addition, or you must exclusionary be at least to this QAnon to ride the, the debate. No, Doug is, Bergham is someone to watch. A bridge. Chris Christie's offering, he's offering pieces of a bridge for a dollar. In all seriousness, though, this is actually a dynamic to pay attention to for the political nerds who are still paying attention. The RNC has set rules for entry into the debates, and this is all like super up in the air because Donald Trump has said he's not going to participate. And then Ron DeSantis said, Donald Trump's not going to participate. Then I would appear to be punching down because I'm a solid number two, so I might not participate. 
either. But anyway, they set the standards for participation in the debate in such a way that most of the national polls will not qualify you. And so it's actually a lot harder to get onto the debate stage than it seems. And for those who are rooting against Donald Trump, which is hopefully everyone listening and watching this right now, this may actually be a good, yes, thank you, Alicia Preston. This may actually be a good thing because the biggest problem that Republicans and therefore the rest of us have had thus far is this collective action melee where like they can't get few enough alternatives to Trump to actually have any of them gain momentum. And so anyway, this is just something to watch. One more thing to watch on our prior topic, and then we can close out on a totally different one. We were talking about the Trump attempt to delay the trial. The other interesting thing that came out in the last 24 hours is that Judge Cannon has ruled that she's going to keep the trial in her dinky little courthouse where she normally sits. She had the option to move it to a much bigger courthouse, a much bigger jurisdiction that would be honestly a lot more appropriate to a trial of this scope, size, and international media interest. Interesting wrinkle to her decision to keep the trial in this courthouse. It means that jurors will be pulled from the following areas. Highlands, which voted 66% for Trump. Indian River, which voted 60% for Trump. Martin, which voted 62% for Trump. Okeechobee, which voted 72% for Trump. And finally, St. Lucie, which only voted 50.38% for Trump. All of those counties. So the point is, it's subtle, and she's well within her rights. It's not super overt, but she has carefully put her thumb on the scale once again for Donald Trump. This just gets Wait a minute. I'm not sure the quote unquote jury's still out for me on what kind of judge this person's going to be. I don't think the fact that she didn't move jurisdictions, look, that's where the papers were filed. That's where the indictments were filed in that jurisdiction. People can apply to move, but judges don't have to grant that. It's common, more common than any than not, that you hold the trial in the jurisdiction where the charges were filed. That's just how it generally works, with the exception of extreme extenuating circumstances. And I don't know, is political partisanship an extenuating circumstance? I just don't want to criticize this person until we know. Former president of the United States. I want to criticize her. Federal jail. Oh, maybe that's an extenuating circumstance. That She should have recused herself already. He's a household. What? To somebody who was appointed by... Barack Obama? Because wouldn't that person have a political bias? If political bias is a factor, just based on who appointed you, then there's going to be literally no judge that has the right to rule on this case. No judge who's going to be able to oversee it because every judge is a political appointee in these cases. It just so happens that all of these little micro rulings are helping Donald Trump. What a coincidence. What an outstanding coincidence. Hey, speaking not Donald Trump, let's just do one more topic before we get out of here. I know people have decided that they don't care about the rest of the world, which is a shame. But one of the things that President Biden has subtly and very successfully done is hold together and build our alliances, especially our NATO alliance, especially around the war in Ukraine. News came out this morning that President Biden had brokered behind the scenes trying to keep himself out of the news because he doesn't have to be front and center in every photo. He's brokered a deal to essentially have Turkey stand down in their opposition to Sweden joining NATO, which paves the way for an expansion 
of NATO. Now, Vladimir Zelensky is still not thrilled with President Biden and NATO right now because what he really wants is for Ukraine to be in NATO. But Paul, is this to me seems like another example of President Biden doesn't have to be a camera hog. He's quiet. He operates behind the scenes and he just gets critical shit done. A bigger, stronger NATO equals a bigger, stronger NATO, period. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Look, Zelensky's on autopilot. So Zelensky's autopilot says, whatever it is I ask for, whatever I can ask for, I ask for it. I keep asking. I ask for everything and I get something. So he's on autopilot about asking for it. The challenge here for Biden, who, as you say, quietly brokered this deal for Turkey to drop its opposition to having NATO, Sweden join NATO, is that if Ukraine was admitted to NATO, it would require under the NATO agreement, all the NATO countries to bring troops to Ukraine and to put their troops into the war. That is not going to happen under certainly the current American administration or the current administrations in most of the NATO countries. People want to, they want to keep this as a proxy war and that they want to keep their active involvement in their troops out, out of this war, lest it widen into a true world war. So strategically, now is not the right time. What Biden has said, sure, we'll talk about having Ukraine come in after this war is done. I think that's part of the current discussion. Zelensky's complaint, and I agree with you, and why not ask for everything in the world and get something to help his country? I think Zelensky has risen to the occasion of a leader in ways we haven't seen in many generations, and I just really admire him and how he's protecting his country to the best of his abilities and his position. But the conversation right now that has him upset isn't being inv- isn't being part of NATO. It's specifically the wording of an invitation. So they're not talking about we're going to make you a member. They're talking about wording of an invitation, which talking heads presume includes things like you're not a full member until this war is over. So that is part of it. No one's complaining. What they're complaining about is specific language in there that's being negotiated by other people, including taking into consideration Russia's interests. I can see Zelensky being a little, wait, we're taking Russia into account here with what they want because they're talking with some NATO people too. I'm with Zelensky on this. Now, I agree we cannot put boots in the ground against Russia. We cannot start World War III. I just think there should be an open discussion with Ukraine on what that path to the future is. And that's what Zelensky's asking for. He's asking for a time frame, and he's asking for what the benchmarks are. And I think that's a fair request. That also strikes me as a fair. You know what? You're both right. And that's a wonderful note to end our show on. You're both so right. Okay, so for Paul and Alicia, I'm Matt Robeson. We will see you next time.